0: please visit our website at concordunited.org.
1: Today we're going to talk about something else that, that really you could swap those out. Last week we talked about some of the ways that we worry about time. We worry about wasting time. Um, we worry about will we have enough time. And today you could just about substitute that for our topic as we talk about why worry about money. So I want to tell you a story, and probably a few of you have heard this story before. It's a true story. It sounds like one of these stories you'd read out of some book, you know, that some preacher wrote about, it, about his or her church. Uh, but this is a true story about this church, uh, and, and on this particular day, on this particular topic, it, it bears a, a retelling. But it was six years ago that we got this cryptic email from one of our church members asking, do you, do you take stock and, you know, uh, we answered, well, sure, you know, we don't play the stock market. We would, we would take that money, and we would just, if somebody, and people do give us, uh, they make tithes and offerings in stock, and we, and we just sell them and, and take the money and put it into the budget. So it was a couple of days later that we got this very official email from some broker somewhere, and it said, uh, we are transferring to your account 5,000 shares of this particular stock at $200 a share. Now, I'm just a preacher, but I can do that math. And my knees buckled. I was sitting down and my knees buckled. And Vicki Elazer, who was our business manager at the time, and she still is a wonderful bookkeeper and and guide and confidant and sage at our church, um, she, she she came in to my office, we'd both gotten the email. She was in tears. And and so I called the donor, and I'm going to be very careful because this donor was adamant to be anonymous. And so as far as I know, there are only three or four people that have ever known uh, who gave this money. But I called the donor and I said, "Uh, uh, we just got this email. And and he or she uh, laughed and said, well, it's true. Uh, this person uh, was a financial person, obviously, was a business person, had had some, uh, some, um, some success in a venture, actually a lot of success in a venture, and had determined that uh, what they wanted to do was give the church a million dollars. So, after I shouted hallelujah over the phone and almost ruptured their eardrum, I said, well, I need to buy you some coffee, at least. Maybe I need to buy you an entire Starbucks franchise. I don't know. But, but we did meet for coffee shortly after that. And, and I, I, I said, what do you have in mind for this money? I mean, that's, that's a lot of money. And the person said, well, you know, here, here's the only thing I'm thinking. I figure there's no one on your staff that's overpaid. So I would love to see everyone on the staff get just a 10% bonus of whatever they make, 10% of that as a one-time bonus. And then whatever else, you know, whatever you think God would have you do with it, that's fine. That was it. So the the one-time bonus after that was done, it it left over $900,000. And we had to determine what are we going to do with that. So uh, the finance team, of course, we talked about it. And the finance team Didn't know and still doesn't know who gave the money, but they know that someone had given us that money And I think I wrote about it and in the loop along the way Um, And there were lots of suggestions. We still owed a good bit of money on the uh, East Wing at that point That was six years ago. And so there was some talk about maybe we could pay some of that off and then do some other stuff with the money or whatever. And one of our former pastors who's now gone on to glory, actually I've talked to a couple or three of our former pastors about this. And one that had gone on to glory uh, said, well, you know what? Here's the thing. We're paying off that. You know, the money that we owe on the East Wing is being paid. We're way ahead of schedule. We're saving thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in interest because it's going to be paid off soon. So why would we want to butt in to this commitment people made? That money's being paid by people who made commitments to the church to pay it. Why don't we let them honor those commitments, and why don't we take that money and make an endowment and let that money keep making money for ministry? And so that's what we did. We have several, we have almost $4 million in endowments associated with our church that churn out Hundreds of thousands of dollars for ministry. We have one, another million-dollar endowment uh, from Schuler Stukesbury and his wife uh, when before they died set that up. Million bucks, and that goes to to mission. There was nothing, however, for outreach and evangelism. So I talked to the donor and I said, What if we? What if we? made an endowment, and took that money that's earned every year and used it to, for outreach uh, and evangelism. And the donor said, hey, if, if you think that's what God wants us to do, that sounds great. So that's what we did. And, and much of the upgrade, uh, of these upgrades in sound and lighting in here and in the other room, um, a, a significant amount of the money that has gone into getting our online worship to look as good as anybody's online worship came from that endowment over the years, it churns out about $70,000 a year that billboard on Kingston Pike that helps point people over here, over here, come to this church, that's paid for out of that endowment, plus other things and hundreds of people have come to this church because they found us online or saw the billboard over the years and they have either come and and come to faith in Jesus Christ, come back to faith in Jesus Christ, have gone deeper into discipleship, children, you adults so much ministry has happened with new people because that person had this money and wanted to do something with purpose and that's the key word the purpose however they were willing to give up to to leave up to God well let's see what God's purpose would be all I want to do is give it to God and so that's what they did and all that I have mentioned has been the result of that. And the reason I bring it up is this. I I don't know, you know, it, it would be easy to think, well, that person must have a gazillion dollars, a million dollars, and nothing to them. Well, I don't know the intimate details of this person's finances. But I assure you, they do not have a gazillion dollars, and that million dollars was most likely a very significant part of whatever they had received because of this of their business dealings that had had become very successful um, But the point was they wanted the money to have a purpose, and they wanted God to decide the purpose for the money and and with that. We're going to talk about money for a few minutes. We're going to talk about it in a way that hopefully will help us ease out of some of this anxiety we all have about money because we all do. And it's so easy to say, oh, why worry about money? Well, sure, preacher, you haven't, you haven't seen my account. Well, you haven't seen mine either, so I'm, I'm with you. I understand. We all have anxiety about money, but we don't have to. And I'm not here to give you some get rich quick scheme. I don't have any five steps to financial freedom. I don't have any of that this morning, but I have one thing that I want to say and that I really want to, to dwell on, and that is money without a purpose is like an arrow without a target. Most of us know how to spend money on purpose, you know, we spend money on purpose, right? That seems silly. Of course we do. Uh, we spend money on purpose. We, have, we intentionally spend our money to pay our bills and to feed ourselves and our families and do all these things with. But what if we changed the preposition? What if we changed it from spending our money on purpose to spending our money with purpose? A proposition with a different preposition that can have a very different outcome. What if we spent our money on with purpose, and a purpose that is ordained in all eternity and not just at our own whim. Money without purpose, like an arrow without a target, and and I say that because it's just about as dangerous. You fire an arrow with no target, you don't know where it's going to land. It's not going to accomplish anything, and it could actually hurt somebody. And whenever we take our money and manage it, save it, earn it, save it, spend it, whatever we do with it, without any purpose... That's when we can also hurt ourselves and hurt others because we, we fall into impulse spending or we spend money on things that we didn't really need. Maybe it wasn't impulsively, but we've developed a plan that isn't getting us anywhere. We need to have an overarching strategy with our money. And, and that's up for, that's for you and your financial advisors to figure out personally. I just want to suggest that God should be at the head of the stream as we try to figure out what our purpose for money is would be. So let me read a passage and let's see what Jesus has to say. And I just make a couple of points about the difference it can make if we have purpose behind the way we use our money, how that can alleviate some anxiety, relieve some of our worries, and help us to feel really good about however much we have or don't have, knowing that something wonderful is coming from it. All right, this is Jesus. Uh, This is during the Sermon on the Mount. And he says this, I'm going to actually kind of skip around this a little bit, it's a long passage, but it's from Matthew 6, we're going to read 1 through 3, and then we're going to read 19 through 21, and then 24, because he takes a break and talks about the Lord's prayer in there, and that's vitally important, and we'll study the Lord's prayer somewhere down the road, but today I want to keep it focused on money. Jesus said, be careful not to practice your righteousness. That's if I, if, if I had a Bible in front of me that I could highlight my iPad, uh, I, would, I would underline that word righteousness. Do not practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give money to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasure in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Let's pray. Almighty God, we thank you for preserving this moment in time where Jesus was imparting these kingdom values to all that had ears to hear. Lord, give us ears to hear this morning. May the power of your Holy Spirit, the power that inspired Matthew to write, inspire us to hear that we find truth that can change things. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, if you don't believe that purpose makes a difference, I have three words for you. GoFundMe, you know how much money is taken in from GoFundMe uh, campaigns. It's I, I don't have the exact numbers, but oh, it's it's billions of dollars are raised through GoFundMe every year. Why? Why do people give? Because they feel like they're giving to a purpose. There's something. I'm not just shooting my money uh, out. Over the internet somewhere, you know, I'm not just following this pop-up ad that says if I squirt this stuff in my ears, they won't ring anymore. And by the way, if I thought there was such a thing, I would already have a gallon of it at home, but there's not. Or, you know, all these other, you know, pop-ups that come up and say, if you just do this, then this will happen. And most of them are scams. Many of them are scams. GoFundMe is fairly reliable. There's still some scams there. But people give to GoFundMe campaigns because they give people a purpose for their money. So let's talk about that. I want to pick out a couple of words to help us determine how we find purpose for our money. Back in verses 1 through 3 talks about practicing your righteousness in front of others, talks about don't do it like the hypocrites do, and it's important to remember uh, who these hypocrites were. Jesus was using a word that was in the, he was speaking Aramaic, it's translated into Greek for the New Testament, and that word in the Greek, hypocrite, it's not a good word or bad, we think of you hypocrite, we always say it like that and kind of wag our finger and, and people talk about people in church as being hypocrites and it's a negative. Thing, but hypocrite is just a it's a it's a neutral word. It simply means an actor. That's all it is. The people who were in these dramas in Greco-Roman drama, they were actors. They were called hypocrites, and they wore these masks. And sometimes one actor would have two or three different parts in a particular play. And so they would put this mask in front of their face, and you know, and they would they would be one person, and they put on another mask, and they would be someone else. It simply means they have different identities. And Jesus, though, I guarantee you was using the word derisively as he was speaking to, unfortunately, again, the the religious elite, the professional religious people, that's often who he picked on. And again, I'm always very mindful of that as a religious professional, technically speaking. So he was speaking to the ones who would... You know, sashay, my mom used to use that word, was sashay into the temple or the synagogue and they would give their money with great pomp and circumstance and letting everyone say, look how much money I'm giving. And Jesus took a dim view of that. And this is where I would offer a word as we think about how we find purpose for our own money. And that word is motivation. He was questioning their motivation. What is motivating these people to give? Who are they glorifying? Jesus would answer that quickly and say, they're glorifying themselves. They want to be seen as all that in a bag of chips to the people who they think they are the shepherds over, and they do it on the streets, and they do it in the synagogues, and they are glorifying themselves. And it's, it's all about motivation. What is motivating our giving? What motivates your money, trying to, trying to overcome something. You know, psychologists tell us that a lot of times we have anxiety over money, but Bec- for deep-seated reasons, it had been there since we were kids. Sometimes kids who grow up and others seem to have a lot more than they have become very insecure about material possessions and money, and that can follow them on into adulthood. Um, you, you know what? Here, here's an example. Um, when I was a kid, we, my parents, I always had everything I needed. I didn't have everything I wanted, but I always had... Good food to eat. I always had a clean pair of jeans to wear every fall and a, and a new pair of shoes, or at least they would get my brother's shoes roll, resold, who was older than I, and I. So I would have some new-to-me shoes to wear. But every year, you got crayons when you were little. You know, and you put them in your book satchel. And for those of you under 60 years old, you can Google that to see what a book satchel is. It's a backpack now. We carried them along like this. And in my book satchel, I always had the 24-count package of Crayola crayons. But Tommy Hickey and Danny King, who were friends of mine, their parents uh, were a lot better fixed for money than my parents were. They had the 100-pack and i had terrible crayon envy because they would pull out that 100 pack and it had it wasn't just red yellow green and blue it was fuchsia and flesh tone and taupe you know, and mauve, and all this stuff, and I'm like, man, here's my little 24 pack of crayons, and and you know, I felt insecure about that, and we laugh about that, but sometimes it wasn't. It's not funny, and sometimes people grow up with those insecurities, and that can be a motivation sometimes for spending more or or hoarding, um, and and hoarding is just as big a problem as as uh, as overspending or, or spending for the wrong reason. We'll talk more about that in a minute. But here's a question when it comes to motivation. Just very simple. Here's a question, because this is all about a question. Why worry about money? Here's a question. Are you keeping up, or are you keeping on? See, if our motivation is to keep up, then we're always going to try to have a little nicer car than the person down the street, or a little bigger boat, or a greener lawn, or a bigger house or our kids are going to be in more activities, or we're going to have this and that. You know what I mean. And it's a natural, it's a human impulse. It's stronger in some than it is in others. And sometimes our motivation is to keep up because we feel like we need to save face. That insecurity starts poking at us from the inside out. And and you know what? It just is for some of us. But knowing it helps us to move past it and understand, okay, I know what's motivating me to buy this. And I don't, think that's, I don't think that's a realistic motivation. So I need to go back and pray about this and check in on it. So are you keeping up? Is that the motivation? Or is it just keeping on? And you know, the old keep on. Keeping on. Is our motivation for the money is just to keep providing for ourselves and our families, trying to have some savings for the future and have a sound financial plan that God would be absolutely okay with for all of us? Are we keeping up or are we keeping on? And those are two very different things from very different motivations. And I just think it's a really good idea um, to see where those impulses are coming from. And that can help then lead us back toward a purpose that's centered in what God wants and not a purpose that's centered, in, centered on keeping up with a peer group. You know, Because, it's, it, again, it's just a human thing. God wants us, by the way, to have the things we need and some of the things we want it has to be kept in balance and I think he's very interested in our motivation as Jesus points out in the passage. Then you have those other verses that talk about storing up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin can destroy and back in Jesus' time um, uh, he, I think he used moths because a lot of wealthy people invested in clothing and and, and so Having fancy clothes, and and that's still true today to a certain extent, but back then it was a really big deal. It was the way that you demonstrated wealth. And it's the way you invested. And sometimes they would have expensive cloth and clothes. They'd bury it in the ground. And sometimes it was there when they came back, and and sometimes it wasn't. Vermin can also be interpreted or translated as as corrosion or rust. And precious metals were also ways that people uh, uh, accumulated wealth in those days. Um, so you get the idea. He's saying, if you store it up, bad things can happen. And that's what he's talking about. Not talking about saving for the future and our retirement plans. I hope not because I'm saving as hard as I can. Uh, I'm going to need some of those savings here in less than a year. And I think God's a okay with that, but not storing up to the point that it's just going to be wasted. I think that's a, I think that's a problem. So here's another word that I would throw out. There's motivation. What's our motivation behind the way we use our money? And let's throw out the word obligation. And and hear it this way, I'm not talking about our obligations. We all, some of us have mortgages, some of us owe money on cars, we all have obligations. However, sometimes those obligations can turn on us whenever we find out that we have more credit card debt than we could possibly pay off in the next 20 years, and the interest is going like this on it. And the motivation can lead to that kind of obligation, which can then redirect the purpose of our money to simply... Keeping us out of the poorhouse and keeping us from defaulting on loans and keeping us out of trouble, but also in a more, in a deeper sense, obligation can be: who owns that money? Who are we really serving with it? Are we Sometimes it can get to the point, and, and we've been at that point in our lives, never too badly, but during the time when I was in seminary, not a lot of money coming in. We had some transmissions go bad and hot water heaters go out and that sort of thing. We had to reach for the visa because we didn't have any way to pay for it. And sometimes you can feel like that you're just living to pay off the debt. And we fortunately were able to do that. Uh, but... But that's what I mean by obligation. Who who are we working for? What is this money? what are we doing with it? Who are we serving? Jesus would say very clearly: you, can, you can't serve God and money. And, and it can get to the point that we feel so obligated to the money to just having more, that we're just doing everything that we can to get more and more and more, and eventually we can only spend so much of it, so we start storing it up. And while Jesus is fine, I think, with us having retirement plans, I don't think he's fine with us just having all this money and not offering it to anybody else, not trying to do any good with it, not letting it filter through God's purpose with it. That's all I'm saying. Because this is really all about, this is really all about discipleship. You know, in the beginning, I told you, underscore the word righteous. Be careful not to practice your righteousness. He's including the way we spend our money and see our money in this whole idea of righteousness. And righteousness, I've said this before, it's not feeling like we're better than somebody else. Righteousness is is right living. And we might call it, discipleship this is all part of discipleship and the bottom line is to find purpose for our money we have to be willing to take our money and put it under that large subheading of discipleship not just an hour on Sunday or not just a little bit of money that we chuck in the plate and look I know I'm not even preaching to the choir on this because you all are very generous and I appreciate that so much but it can cause anxiety Whenever we see whenever we have no purpose for the money other than just getting more and more and more of it, it just gives us more to worry about. But there are principles in the universe. Gravity is one of them. We can ignore it and we can climb up on the balcony and jump off and say, I don't believe in gravity, and then we'll take you to the hospital and and get your ankle rebuilt for you. You can't it's immutable. Gravity is immutable. And these principles also these spiritual principles are also immutable and whenever we choose to handle our money and see our money apart from God's purpose we're never going to find that peace. So here's a question circling back to that question about why worry about money? Here's a question. Do we have money or does money have us? And that gets at that idea of who are we obligated to? Who are we serving? Do we have money? Where does money have us? And I'll close with this. Uh, back to the story of the donor. Whenever I had coffee with the donor that day, uh, the donor told me about a story from when that, they were in college. And they were studying finance at the University of Tennessee years ago. And they belonged to a, a big Baptist church in another part of town. And the donor's mother was, was devout. And the donor's mother had received an inheritance of $250,000. And so this check came in the mail. And so the whole family is there in the kitchen, and they're like, whoa, $250,000. This is awesome. And they're all just hooting and laughing and carrying on. And the donor's mom quietly went over and got her purse and pulled out her checkbook. You can Google that if you're under 60, 50 years old. Pulled out their checkbook and sat down. I wrote a check to their church for $25,000. And so the donor who was studying finance and was in college in that age, you know, mom, what are you whoa, can we talk what are you doing? And the donor said, my mother turned to me and put her finger down on the check like that and said, that's not my money. Point taken. That was part of the reason that the donor chose to give us a million dollars. The donor never forgot that. There was no question who the donor's mom was serving. There was no question who her master was. She was serving her master, the Lord of the universe, who loves us through his son, Jesus Christ. That's whose money that... $25,000 was, and there were no questions about it. So I finally close with this. I've said this before. I'll say it again. And to, when, when we think about purpose, what is our motivation? What's our obligation? When we think about purpose. Remember this. When God gives, God doesn't give to us. God gives through us. And in doing so, the money comes through us, and we're blessed to have it, and we can do wonderful things for ourselves and for our families to take care, and then it just keeps flowing. And that money just keeps flowing right through us and blesses other people. And if you don't remember anything else, please remember that. God doesn't give. God blesses. He gives us. He gives through us, not to us, If we'll keep that in mind, our money's going to have a purpose. It's, it's going to have a clear target, and it's going to be whatever God chooses. And you will find peace knowing that his gifts are going to the purpose he's chosen. Let us pray. Almighty God, um, this sort of steps on our toes a little bit because money's serious business. But we know you know that, and we know that's why you bring it up. We know that's why your son talked about it more than he talked about heaven and hell because it reveals where our treasure really is. Lord, you are our treasure. You are our portion. You are our prize. You, O oh God, are everything. And so help us to keep our eye on where our treasure really is. Help us, O oh God, to remember to turn to you whenever we're battling with motivation or obligation with our money, so that we can accomplish your purpose with every penny. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thank you for listening to this sermon from Concord United Methodist Church. This podcast is a ministry of Concord United, and we would love to hear from you. To contact us, please send an email to podcasts at concordunited.org with sermons in the subject line. For more information about Concord United, including worship times, service opportunities, mission efforts, and classes, please visit our website at concordunited.org. We also invite you to download and enjoy our daily devotional podcasts presented by the pastors and members of Concord United. Finally, we would appreciate it if you would leave a rating and a review of this podcast so that others can discover it and benefit from it.